Welcome to the Youth Ministries Podcast. Hi there, my name is Adam Shaw, and I'm your host for today. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm honored that you've taken time out of your busy schedule to be a part of today's episode. Our goal, as always, is to educate and engage apostolic leaders like you so that you can become more effective in youth ministry. One of the ways that you can help us is by leaving a review and a star rating. Not only will it mean the world to our team, but it will also help get the word out that there is apostolic leadership content available for other leaders just like you to hear. So if you can leave us a review and a star rating, that would just be amazing, fantastic. Before we jump into today's show, I just wanted to let you know one little piece of information. SFC, She's for Christ, is now Move the Mission. And our campaign launches, our 2021 campaign begins April 15th, and we are so excited to see what God will do through our fundraising efforts together. Today is all about P7 Clubs. And if you don't know, P7 Bible Clubs are Bible study groups that students can have in their middle schools and high schools. And our guest today to talk to us about how you can inspire teenagers to become P7 missionaries is Amani Nangoma. Amani is from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, and he is a licensed minister with the United Pentecostal Church International, and he is currently a university student. He serves as the Ontario Youth P7 coordinator, as well as he serves on the UPCI National P7 team. And one thing you're gonna notice immediately is that Amani, is passionate about souls, and he's passionate about helping you inspire your young people to reach more souls with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So without any further ado, let's hear from Amani Nangoma and how we can inspire teenagers to become effective P7 missionaries in their schools. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, Imani, it's so awesome to have you with us here today. Thank you so much for being on the YM podcast. I just want to go ahead and turn everything over to you right now. Man, the floor is yours. Yes, Adam, it is an honor to be a part of this podcast today. Don't treat it lightly. It's an honor to speak on here today. Um, just want to get into a few points to, to speak on how to inspire students um, to launch P7 clubs in their, in their high schools or middle schools or whatever it may be. Um, the, the first thing, the first key critical thing that is needed is for students to fall in love with the mission of P7 rather than the movement of P7. It is extremely critical and essential that youth workers and youth leaders when working with young people um, that the difference is highlighted and the difference is illustrated clearly um, because when a student is initially you know understanding why we are doing what we are doing they are more likely to stick with the the vision of the project um, than rather just abandon it when adversity strikes and so when a student really buys into the vision that this is, you know, this is bigger than just starting a Christian club in your high school or in your middle school or in your elementary school. But the main goal of what we're doing here is to fall in love with people 
um, when when students understand that, when youth workers and youth pastors work with these students and they really comprehend that this is about loving and reaching people, um, this will strike a longevity that will happen with the student that will be longer than P7, even when they finish high school, you will have a student who has been in love with souls. I speak to my own personal experience with this and thinking about it um, quickly. Um, what got me in love with reaching people or starting a P7 club, it was as I was at a winter youth conference here in our district here in Ontario. And uh, the speaker asked this question. And this was the question that brought me to the altar. It wasn't so much a pitch about P7 that brought me to an altar. Um, you know, I, I wasn't really much aware of P7, me personally. It had been talked about and it's spoken about, uh, but I, I never really understood what, what, you know, I didn't really get it. It didn't really, didn't really connect with me. But when the speaker um, that night, he asked this question. He said, are you bringing people to Jesus or are you taking them away from him? Um, that's what sold me to get involved with P7. It was people. And so that meant no matter how difficult it may be, that meant no matter how many people might show up, I am in love with people. And so when you get a young person in love with people, there is nothing that will turn them away. Um, how this is done very simply is when they hear about the brokenness of the world around them, when they really understand the crisis that, you know, when, you know, when you understand the why, the problem of what is going on and the value of one person and how hurting our world is right now, you will have a student who is addicted, absolutely obsessed with soul winning. And what also occurs is when this happens, when a student is in love with people, rather than a project or a, or a, or a, you know, or a movement. Um, what happens is, is even when that student graduates from high school or graduates from elementary school, whatever stage of life they are in, in their high school reaching people, what you will now have is a young person um, who will not stop the mission because their location has changed, but because they are in love with people, when the P7 season is over, they will continue on that mission of reaching people. And so that I cannot uh, highlight that as important. That is the main thing, is if people fall, you have young people in your youth group that fall absolutely in love because that's why we're doing this. That's why we're in this ministry. That's why we're doing this. So that means even if a worldwide pandemic occurs and I cannot meet up in person. I can't do P7. I can't have the snacks anymore. I can't do what we used to do. But since this young person has fallen in love with people, even though the method has changed, the message remains the same. And so that is crucial. Um, a second thing that I would highlight um, for um, students to, um, for youth workers to help students, to inspire students to have a P7 club in their high schools, middle schools, wherever stage of school schooling they're at, is testimonies. Um, I cannot highlight that uh, enough, um, is when students hear other stories of fellow like young people their age going into their high school or going into their middle school, it will motivate them to believe if that person can do it, I can do it. We know it so simply in, in Romans 
uh, where the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. When, when we hear things, when we hear testimonies, when we hear this, this inspires faith for the miraculous. Um, but specifically when it comes to um, P7 in this ministry, um, when students understand that there are like-minded young people in your, in your age range doing this thing, it will motivate them not to compete or compare, but an inspiration will say they can do it, I can do it. Um, I can think over here in our district here, one of the main reasons why we uh, have a, a, a call, we have with students across um, our province here um, is to inspire other students. That's why it, it began, um, was having a call of like-minded students who were reaching their friends for Jesus Christ in their high schools. And what we found was, you know, when another student would hear, wait a second, this is someone just like me. He goes to youth camp just like me. He's dealing with the challenges of being apostolic just like me. When they understand, wait a second, this person could do this for Jesus. And I know their struggles and I know what they've been through. And I know, we, you know, I, I know their shortcomings. And when they see that that person can do it, something inside of them rises. Iron sharpeneth iron, as the scripture lets us know. So testimonies are key. And so ways to do this are, of course, there are so many testimonies on, on uh, P7 Club's Instagram page and social media that are pumped out of other students and other stories that occur um, with students. And uh, this really motivates others to to join the cause or join the movement. Here in Ontario, Adam, as you would obviously know, at a youth convention, that's one of the things that you guys have been doing for so long is promoting stories, promoting stories. And what that, again, as, as I said, what that happens is a faith level rises. It completely rises from one level to the next. And so testimonies uh, in, in your youth group in telling students and sharing students um, will be a huge, huge thing that would occur. A third thing, a few more points here. A third thing that is, um, I, I believe is crucial, especially in this hour, is um, the huge mental health crisis we have currently in our world um, is a huge reason, a huge motivation for students to get involved with P7. Because one of the main things that I believe um, young people sometimes deal with is believing, and I don't know why this idea comes, but maybe because you know of the old, you know, you can you can have this perception. This is old-fashioned. This apostolic message is old-fashioned. It's not, you know, it, you know, it, you know, this is great for church. This is great for fun. This is this is fun in a youth convention setting or at a youth congress, and it's fun being with everybody together, but. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm isolated. This is what we do here. Um, when they hear um, necessarily, when a topic is relevant to this generation, like the mental health crisis is currently, when this is highlighted to young people, and they would know it because they're dealing with it themselves. Um, some of them deal with depression and anxiety in our youth groups and deal with low self-esteem and all these things. Um, when it's really, the dots are connected, for some reason, it, it sometimes isn't pointed out unless someone says it to them, that the world that we are dealing with, that Jesus is that answer to this mental health crisis for yourself, but for somebody else. Um, 
this changes everything. I believe that everything. Statistics like suicide is the second leading uh, cause of death um, for eight or for young people aged 13 to 24. The second leading cause of death. When a young person hears the stat like that, of course they know it because they're in the school. They see these people on a daily basis. But when they really understand, when it really when it really gets to them, when it really settles in that there is a world out there of people in your French class, in your math class, they might not be talking about it. They might not be sharing about it, but they are dealing with anxiety to a high level. And you, as a young person living for the Lord, when this is highlighted to them, you have the benefit of coming to an altar and praying, but they have nothing. They have absolutely nothing. This uh, immediately brings young people to have a burden for lost for the lost fellow students in their in their school. I can remember Adam, one day I was walking from home. I was I was in grade 10 at the time. And I was uh, you know, I I had just began to reach friends for the Lord. Um, but I will I'll never forget when I felt this baptism, I can call it of anguish. Um, I was walking home and I remember feeling this this distress in my spirit I didn't know what to describe it at the moment and I still don't really know to describe it and it's it's like God if I can put it in this way you know I begin to feel this, the pain of the students in my high school feel the pain of depression the addictions the su the things that people were going through it's like God inserted it in my spirit and it motivated me like never before to to no matter how I might be feeling and dealing with when I, when, when it really hit me, the crisis that is going on in our world, you know, sometimes you can be oblivious to it. You know, you hear about it and you don't make, you don't piece the dots together that, you know, when people are talking of their anxiety or, or, or dealing with what they're dealing with as a young person, sometimes that, that dots aren't connected, but when it's effectively highlighted to them that here is what is going on in our world right now, that girl in your French class that nobody talks to, the reason why she wears a long sleeve every day to school is not just because she wants to wear a long sleeve, but it's because there's cutting marks there. When a young person hears that one, it, it drives you to believe it. And when it's really understood that, that you are the answer to that, it motivates people to say, you know what? I can do this. Because the biggest problem with sometimes young people face is not believing that people want to hear this message. But what a young person, person in the 21st century, what needs to be highlighted to them in youth nights and youth groups is this world is crying for you. If there was ever a time when people are desperate for answers, it is today. And this mental health crisis, and I could add to that, this COVID-19 pandemic is the best time to use the problem to present the solution. There are people that are absolutely crying for help. The last thing I, I will share that is critical, I believe, to um, motivate or in inspire young people to get involved in the mission of P7, which of course is to, to win souls and make disciples, is to highlight the point that God never called us to stay in church. God never called us to go to church. Of course, we do go to church. I don't want to be misinterpreted. I'm saying church attendance is essential and it's important. But church has never been a building. The church 
Adam, as we were just talking about recently, is a people. It's a people. And so we're not just trying to tell you to stay in church. We're telling you to be the church, to be the church. And that doesn't happen 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now. That happens right now. At 12 years old, you are the church. At 14 years old, yes, you might have a speech impediment. And yes, you might be fearful to share Jesus with your friends. Hey, um, that's okay. You are the church. You have something inside of you that will help you overcome that fear, that will help you overcome that anxiety. And we're not a part of some cool Christian club that just congregates together as a great family. God wants us to go outside of our walls and outside of this building and to reach people because we are the church. We are the answer. We are, we are the bridge between somebody and their complete eternity. And so being the church, um, how this, uh, I believe that this can be effectively uh, shared to, to young people in youth groups and that we, we lead and, and mentor is ourselves leading by example and showing what that means, showing what that means. I'll never forget, Adam, uh, a, a moment. I was in grade 10. Again, I guess everything happened in grade 10. Uh, but I was bringing friends to church for the very first time. And my mentor, Calvin, was, uh, was one picking me up for church uh, to bring my other friends to church. That's what he was doing. And I recall, um, and it stuck with me. Um, till this moment, because when I saw it, this example from him made me realize what this was all about. We're not just here to congregate together in a building. This is outside of the building, you know. Um, but I remember one day, so he our, he lives about a few minutes away from my local church. And, uh, and I live about 15 to 20 minutes away from our church. So he would go backwards. He would drive 20 minutes away, um, pick me up and my friends to church and then drive all the way back and then drive all my friends home um, from church. Now, I'll never forget a moment. One day he had uh, came again, 20 minutes, he drives back to, to come uh, pick me up. And one of my friends were ready to pick up one of my friends for church. And, uh, and when the time came to go pick him up, uh, he was nowhere to be found, that friend that day. And I remember feeling so fearful. I'm like, this person, uh, you know, he's, you know, we go to church together. He's my leader. He's my mentor. He's driving all this way, to pick me up. And then we're all, and now my friend's not here. It happens right last minute. And it's a waste of gas. And, uh, and I was like, wow, this is, this is, um, this is awful. And I looked at him, I was like, I was apologizing to him and, and uh, he jokingly said, I I'm furious with you. Um, but then after he said, Imani, this is what this is what this is all about. Um, this is what we're doing. This is what the kingdom's all about. And I'll never forget that moment because it showed me an example right in front of me of what the man who I saw preach and do all these things. But outside of the building was totally invested in these young people's lives and in my own life. When I saw that example of being the church 
and understanding this is bigger than a building. It inspired me and said, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And so now when people cancel on me, I remember that example, I remember that moment because I know what this is about. This is bigger than having a good club meeting. This is about being the church. So when those four things, I believe that there's many others, but those I could highlight. Um, number one, understanding that this is about people, um, the mission rather than the movement. Because if they're sold on the mission, they will love the movement, which is P7. Two, understanding understanding that the mental health crisis that we live in, that this is a, we live in a world where people are looking for an answer. They, they're broken and they are hurting and they are desperate, completely desperate for answers. Thirdly, testimonies. When they hear other testimonies of people who have overcome their fear to reach their friends, it will inspire them because to understand they're not isolation. And lastly, to be the church to be the church. So those are things, Adam, that I would suggest to help uh, students, uh, to help youth workers inspire students to launch projects, seven clubs in their schools. Thank you so very much, man. That I, more than just the quality of the content, the data that you dropped, I hope everyone who's listening right now feels what I feel. And that is the burden and the passion that you have for this ministry. And ultimately, it is that burden and that passion that if we as leaders can get burning in our hearts, that's, I've, that's, the, that's the common thread in all four of those points is that when something, that, that anguish of God, that burden of God gets a hold of us and it just, it just has a way of reaching out and we transfer that to them, that's what's going to make the difference. That's I love that first thing that you said, that it's it's about more than starting a club. We don't inspire people to start the club. We inspire people to fall in love with souls and soul winning. And P7 is just one of those ways. And if we do that, we created this sustainable soul winner into the future. I That was, that was profound, man. I, I really, I loved it. Yeah. I also want to add on, I remember Adam a few years ago, I know you, maybe you wouldn't remember this, but a few years ago, you said, um, you said to me, you said, Amani, ministry is not, it was at a youth convention. You were, you were sharing a testimony at my, when it was occurring in my high school. And you said that, you said, ministry is not about a pulpit. It's not about a title. It's not about a position. Ministry is about people. Amen. Exactly. Absolutely. So what I want to do now is I want to uh, I've got a few questions that I've jotted down as as you were talking um, that just inspired me. And and I, I want us just to walk through some of these questions together and kind of break down some of the things that you've talked about. Uh, but first, uh, you kind of touched on your story just a little bit. Uh, I, I, what is your story? What What is the story of how you started getting involved in P7? Now you are in university. You just received your local license with the United Pentecostal church. And, uh, but, but prior to that in high school, you launched P seven clubs that turned into a network of P seven clubs. Can you tell us just a little bit about that? Yes, yeah, sure. I, it was when I was in the, um, that year at, at that winter youth crusade that we had in, uh, February, in February of that year, um, where the message, 
um, was by Brother Myron Weidman Jr. And he was speaking on the message, Jesus is in the house. And I was sitting there and a few months earlier, just there was different crises that occurred of loss. Um, two girls that I knew of died in a car crash. They were 16 and 18 years of age, a few months prior to that. And, uh, and so a few months later, here I am. And I was, I was so far from the Lord, not where I needed to be in my journey with God. And uh, I didn't want to go to Winter Youth that year, if I can remember correctly. I didn't. It was actually Calvin who made sure I attended that year. And I hated him for it in the moment. And I had no idea that that was the year that God was going to put that burden on me. And uh, so after this, that funeral that happened a few months later at that Winter Youth Crusade, um, uh, Brother Myron, he said those words. He it was halfway through in his message. I will never forget it. title was Jesus is in the house. And he asked this question to the young people there in that Winter Youth Crusade. Are you bringing people to Jesus or are you taking them away from him? And I remember for some reason, I remember after all the different status, uh, situations that occurred in my life in that season, uh, I actually also lost a cousin at the time. Just different things were happening. Um, I remember I ran to the altar that Friday night and I fell on my face and I made a commitment to the Lord. I said, this time I said, I'm going to go back and I'm going to, I'm going to reach people. I'm going to reach people. I'm going to love people. And so I asked Calvin for a Bible study chart. He sent me a Bible study chart as uh, a lesson. And so I went back to my high school at a small library table and with three friends. And we began to just learn about Jesus together, begin to share Jesus with them. Um, little people were surprised and shocked because I was the last student on earth they would expect to be teaching Bible studies and reaching people. And, uh, but from that, God just began to explode it. And we went from having three students at a small library table to having upwards of 80 plus students. Wow. High school to the point where we had some students, it was, it got so large that we had, this is a Catholic high school here in Ottawa, Ontario, where people are secular. Nobody believes in God. We have students who never, who skip Catholic mass when Catholic mass occurs at school. But during their lunch hours, when they could do whatever they want, they were coming to a room to hear about Jesus Christ. And we had teachers crying in that room. We had students sitting on the ground uh, in that room. So that's a bit of my P7 experience. And then of course, um, here in Ontario, we have seen um, amazing growth. We, I believe at the time when we had, the first clubs had started here in Ottawa, in, in here in our city, there were zero clubs in Ontario. And, uh, and that, has, that has shifted towards where we've seen almost 20 P7 clubs started wow. here in Ontario. So we run district calls and students are being impacted and hearing these testimonies and inspiring them as well to launch clubs in, in their high schools. And so it's been, it's been crazy to see the growth. Again, when we had first started, the first Christian apostolic clubs would have been myself and my other friend in our city here, uh, Shabak, who had a club at his school, two clubs. And in the span of the few years that have gone by, we've seen God uh, immensely just grow it. And it's been an amazing journey to, to see what God's doing. And, and I, one of the things I think you said that's worth just kind of circling back and noting is that you are in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. It's the capital city of Canada. And for those that are not aware, Canada is not at all like um, 
especially in Ottawa, especially in the province of Ontario. It's it's not at all like the the very church friendly, Christian friendly culture that that is at times available in the in America, especially Midwest or maybe even the southern states where uh, pastoral representation and Christian or church representation in high schools is a guaranteed right. Like it's a guaranteed right. According to, you know, there's, there's matters of law, um, where, where it is that that's the case. We do not have those same rights, uh, at all, um, to start, to start clubs. And you were there, there's two educational systems in Ontario, Catholic and public, and you were part of that Catholic system. And uh, which doesn't mean it was any more friendly to an apostolic, a Pentecostal experience at all. Um, what were some of the difficulties that you encountered when you were running your own clubs? And uh, how did you overcome those difficulties? And I just think that some of that, some of that may help a, you know, a student pastor or a youth leader, because invariably we all know this anytime you do something for God, the devil is going to try to oppose you. The enemy is going to try to stop us. And we're going to have to, with wisdom, circumnavigate that uh, so that we can continue pushing the mission forward. So what are some, what were some difficulties and adversities that you faced early on and how did you overcome them? Right. Um, well, there's two main ones that happened, Adam. Um, the first one was when we had first started. Again, it was it was amazing. You know, we, you know, we're reaching people and, you know, we had a, a library table there and, uh, and then we moved to a classroom. Um, and here you had students who had some bad reputation in the school who were a part of this, this club and teachers and principal our admin team at the school were trying to figure, investigate what was going on. So they'd be watching us closely in the beginning. And, uh, um, cause we had some interesting characters who would attend these meetings. And then there was a time, when we wanted to move it to our chapel, this isn't the first year of doing this, and uh, and the chaplain uh, was not for it. This is a Catholic chaplain. Uh, he was not. Now there was another Christian group going on, but it was different. This was here. You had this group where people were, you know, students were amazed and enamored by what was going on. That Christian group actually ended up folding and joining. <laughs> what was going on? The apostolic. I love it. Uh, because, you know, they were just coming on to, I think they were just a charismatic group talking about different things. And they were surprised at the, the fire that was going on. So they, they folded their group and joined us. But we had an, an LGBTQ club um, at the school as well in that first year when I, we, we began. And, and the chaplain was um, more favorable to that club and would even sometimes uh, prefer, we, again, we never really got to hold meetings in the in that chapel so that was a, a hindrance but we just ended up still doing it in our classroom but the lgbt club could hold their meetings and not, not like there was nothing going on in those chapels the chapels throughout the week there were no busy schedules um and so it was that was amazing that was very interesting but we just kept doing what we we're doing in a classroom and you know what it ended up working well um the second major challenge which was a bigger challenge was next year we we got a new chaplain we brought, God brought a new chaplain to our school. I believe that was strategically done. This chaplain, she was, she was laid back. I'm not as aggressive, not, you know, she was actually for this club. She was, she was very happy about it. And so she opened, the doors were opened um, to be a part of, of the, 
of the Christian club um, there in the chapel. So we moved from a classroom to the, chap- to the chapel. And it was amazing. We saw God move. And it was in that chapel that time when we saw the immense growth and teachers attending, weeping. And it was amazing. We got to a point, point where we had outgrown the chapel. And we wanted to move it to our gymnasium. Um, and our chaplain, when she heard these things and when the got, word got around and we wanted to do this, um, she, uh, she was not for it. Um, not really, uh, you know, for that idea. And what she ended up doing was she... Um, she wanted to um, essentially be one of, to change the whole structure of the club, the way we were pre, the way I was preaching and all that stuff. She didn't really want all that. She wanted us to use a Catholic Bible. She wanted to change everything up. And so what ended up happening was the club was shut down. Um, and we never got to, in my senior year, that last, the last six months of my senior year, we never really got to do it ever again, the way the meetings were holed up. So we were shut down, the meetings were shut down. Um, and how we overcame this, and it's amazing that in this season of COVID, and I'll get to that in just a second, but how we overcame that challenge in that moment um, was we just adapted. And so we were, the student, student body would know it as the Bible study has gone underground. And so we were doing one-on-one Bible studies um, in our classrooms. Um, with different students, groups of students, four or five in a classroom with a teacher I had a good relationship with, and just doing going through the uh, Bible study and That's just awesome about the Lord, and uh, and so we never got to those big meetings again, which sucked. It was it was very disappointing, and it was just Adam amazing. A few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I was sitting, I woke up, and I was just talking to the Lord, and and I, you know, I I, I realized that I had never settled that that. It never settled in my spirit of what occurred um, that year. I said, God, we were in your will. We were doing uh, what you wanted us to do. We were seeing immense people getting the Holy Ghost, getting baptized. And it was a huge growth. And God, it got all taken away from us. I don't understand. And I thought it was a while since I last thought about that. I was wondering, God, you know, I'm out of high school now, but what happened? And the Lord kind of impressed on me. Um, to look at what is happening in our world right now with COVID. And of course, in our district here, Ontario, students, those days of having large meetings and being able to do that have been taken away from students. And what the Lord kind of impressed me is the same, that insight that you had then is applicable to help students right now. And it was one of the most peaceful settling moments when I heard that from the Lord. Yeah. Uh, that, that inside it was able to use this. So we just kept doing, even though we couldn't be in large meetings, we still working with students individually, because again, it's about the, the mission, not the method or the movement. What are some, now anyone who's, who's thinking about doing these four points, these four things, creating that, you know, that spark of inspiration and passion um, to get, to get them going. I, I, I know, I, I know your, uh, your mentor and, uh, and you, he was at the time, I believe your youth pastor very, very well, pastor Kelvin Shaw. Um, I know that he was very much involved in your life, providing accountability to you, to Shabak, to others that were, uh, teaching these clubs. What are some ways and that how that accountability was, you know, just so important to the health of what you were doing. What are some ways that leaders, can keep teens accountable. So we have this, this spark of inspiration. We do these things, these four things that you've told us to, but, but I believe that leaders are going to want to remain to be involved and continue 
to hold, you know, to hold students accountable. What are some ways that leaders can keep teens accountable once they start their groups? How can they continue to have that voice of influence, even though they may not be at school with them? Right. I would say, um, you know, the main thing that um, my mentor did for me, and I think the main thing that uh, the way, the best way to be accountable, of course, is, you know, being in contact with these students while they're doing it. But while you're being count, uh, uh, in contact with them and accountable to them, and this is what I do with even uh, people, students that uh, I'm helping and investing in and mentoring today to, to reach friends and stuff is, is not really be concerned when you're accountable and, and, and checking in on them and doing your calls, um, not being concerned with what they're doing. Um, what I mean by that is not being concerned with the work, but more concerned with their walk. Mm. Um, because sometimes what occurs with students is when, you know, they, they get in this rush of P7 clubs and reaching people. It's an exciting work of the Lord. Um, but sometimes what happens is, is the areas of accountability that get left off is we stay accountable. How's the, how did the meeting go this week and how did that happen? But did you pray this week? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> for your meeting, did you pray? Um, did you read your word this week? How are you with the Lord? Are there areas in your life that you haven't corrected? Because when those two things are on the same playing field, um, it's a beautiful, a beautiful thing that occurs because you don't miss out on the walk. You don't get in balance where you're just working for the Lord and not even walking with Him. Um, a scripture that comes to my was on my heart um just a while ago as i was reading in luke where the disciples of jesus for the first time go out and evangelize and they heal the sick and they do all these miracles and they go back to jesus and they're like jesus we uh the even the devils and demons they hear us and they're excited they're rejoiceful about it and jesus looks back at them and says uh he says i i saw satan fall like lightning um from heaven but he also says to him, says to them, don't rejoice because demons obey you, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. In other words, rejoice because your walk is right. The work is amazing and being used of God is amazing, but make sure that these students are accountable to their walk because it can go so out of bounds where you can believe that if I'm doing a P7 club, but not, I can be doing a P7 club and not even living right, then we lost the whole point. But if students, if youth workers can be uh, pushing this on students on, yes, we're gonna check in on your club and we're gonna check in, but we're gonna check in on you, you as the person, because yeah. we don't want to have you just working for someone you don't even know. Wow, I love that. That's focusing the accountability on the person, on their walk with God, on how they're doing because we know ultimately that the overflow of anointing that comes from their time with God will produce the fruit. It's getting to the core. It's getting to the core of how someone is doing and where they're at, knowing that the club will take care of itself. The Bible study group will be fine. They will figure it out because they're connected to God and God is going to lead them. Real quick, before we go, what are some creative ways? This is, you mentioned the COVID-19 pandemic. 
both America and Canada are still reeling from the effects of it. There are different states, different cities that are at various stages of lockdown, different provinces that are, you know, still in complete and total lockdown. I know in Ontario is is still at a stay at home order until February the 10th. Um, but the work of the kingdom of God, we can't just throw up our hands and go, you know, life's hard. So we got we're just going to shut down un, until things go back to, to normal. We've got to find ways to continue to reach people now, because like you said, there is a mental and emotional health crisis in the generation that P7 missionaries are reaching for right now. So we've got to get creative. You were forced underground. It's almost like God gave you some like training on how to deal with this before you had to deal with this. What are some difficult, what are some ways for P7 missionaries to reach people in difficult or hostile environments, whether it's the pandemic or in the political environment of the school or, or anything. So what are some creative ways that we can keep the mission going even when the world or a virus tries to shut us down? Right. Um, well, this is, as you said, yeah, it was amazing like what you just said there um, because that's so impactful. Um, but it was so true, as I said earlier, that God kind of gave me training, uh, pre-training for COVID <laughs> before it, you know, all this happened. Um, but um, one of the things that during COVID-19 that is amazing is what we have seen and, um, and, uh, and attested to here in Ontario, but just on a national level, our director, Seth, uh, will definitely attest to this and, and say that as well as students have, um, the students who, again, that's why the first ever point that given tonight, today was having people in love with the mission because the students who were, what, what I've seen is the students who were in love with the mission and not so tied to the movement of P7. Of course they loved P7, but, but they, they really got why we're doing this. Even when a worldwide pandemic came up, they weren't going to just shut up and just shut off and just go to sleep and say, well, we'll resume P7 when we can get back in school because that's the method. But the students who were obsessed with the mission and understood what this was about um, switched their entire focus to be um, to find different methods to reach people. So that's why that is so important. And some of those methods during the pandemic that we've seen work, and just a few I will mention, is of course Zoom calls. Um, Zoom calls are, of course, the I know people are zoomed out because of COVID, <laughs> uh, but they're they're amazing. I believe I believe this is the most effective way to have your similar feeling of a P7 club meeting because you can see each other face to face. You can be together together on a Zoom call. It's interactive. It feels like you're connecting with people, even though you can't be in person. So Zoom is one way. Um, Facebook, there's messenger group chats that can be done as well, where people come together on a messenger group chat and they do it together. Um, but as well, um, um, FaceTime calls, FaceTime audio calls, FaceTime video calls with one-on-ones with students, because you might, especially for, for youth workers with P7 leaders or who have been just time tapped out of this pandemic, out of energy, um, you can be uh, on FaceTime with one person and be effectively still doing a P7 club, reaching someone through a FaceTime one-on-one Bible study. And so 
these, this is another way, another huge way. Again, I, I still think it's a great way, but I still think Zoom is more effective. You Instagram lives, you've seen students do that. They go live on Instagram. It takes away the interactiveness, um, but you're still get the benefit is you're getting the message out to everybody. So now students who may have never attended your P7 club, they might tap on your video and be able to, to, to see it. But again, there's diff so many different methods that can be done during COVID-19, different online platforms as just mentioned. Um, but again, the nailing thing, the nailing thing in the market, the most important thing is when they are invested, I can't nail this home enough in people. It, it won't matter which method is chosen because the mission will be accomplished. So if that's a FaceTime call, one-on-one -on -one Bible study, if that's what that student is doing, they're doing a piece that they're reaching people. They're, they're doing this mission. If they're doing a group Zoom call with people and, and friends, uh, they're doing it. One other cool idea, Adam, that I'll mention is I have a friend in Maryland, Will Spriggs, he gave me, shared this idea with me, which was amazing. He said what they're doing in their, at their local church is they've taken off the names of schools. And what that means is at their local church, they've got different P7 clubs, but they've forgotten about the schools they attend. And they've just brought everybody together from their local church, from these different P7 clubs, and have just come on one big Zoom meeting. And so, so there's so many different creative ways P7 leaders can get in contact with other P7 leaders and just say, hey, why don't just do a Zoom with the people we know and anybody come on? Um, so there's so many creative ways that I believe that there are so many testimonies created um, because of COVID-19. Not really quickly, just to, just to tag on one of those things. Um, and, and this will be the last question before we close out and before we go. Um, talk to us about P7 rallies and some of the success you've seen on online P7 rallies. And, and you did that both to inspire your network that you lead in the province of Ontario uh, of all these club leaders. And, and I think you also, uh, you brought in, you know, other youth groups and stuff like that, but you were hosting these P7 rallies and it wasn't for the leader. It was like, let's all unite together and reap the harvest in our province. Talk to us really quick, uh, quickly about those. Well, yes. What, what we did was uh, we did it twice. We've done it twice so far, and they have been huge successes, um, huge successes and huge successes because of the impact that has occurred with the individuals that were part of it. Um, but we had a night called The Encounter, where we brought on uh, different guest speakers, two guest speakers on, and we brought together all the students of Ontario who were involved in Project 7 Clubs and also who were involved with campus ministry. We brought them together on a Zoom call. We had a night called The Encounter. And it was to bring your friends from your clubs or the people you are evangelizing and bring them on the Zoom call so they can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And Let's so that's go. what we did. And our most recent one, we just did it again. We did twice, but the last one we did was in November. We had over a hundred people join in and someone in Maryland from the district of Maryland from a P7 club in Maryland received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Wow. Thank you, Imani, so much for being on the podcast today. I hope all of you listening right now, you're going to leave this episode as fired up, as moved as I am to release a generation of teenagers into the mission field of their middle school or their high school. I believe the greatest days of your youth group lie ahead. I know that 2020 was a difficult year, but together we're gonna see God do some amazing things 
in 2021. And I know that P7 Clubs and a generation of young people passionate about the kingdom are going to be the catalyst that makes revival happen in your church. As always, thank you for your reviews. Thank you for your star rating. Share this episode with a fellow youth leader or with your youth ministry team so that they too can be blessed with what Amani presented today. Thank you and God bless.